Welcome, everybody, to the Sam Dancer podcast. Today, I have with me uh, a good friend. A lot of the people that I interview are just people that I've kind of met on the interwebs and um, and just followed through Instagram. But uh, Valerie Lynn has played a really big, important role in, in me and Jenny's life. Uh, she was our postpartum pregnancy coach, I would, I would say. Um, she might define herself a little differently, but she is one of the leading new motherhood recovery experts in the United States. Um, she is the author of the Mommy Plan and the Mommy Plan Recipe Book. Um, she's been a major force in introducing and modernizing effective traditions for afterbirth recovery practices uh, for women globally. Um, she trains traditional postpartum doulas on these recovery practices that address new mothers' post-baby dietary needs, body therapies, and treatments that aid the body to recover in a stronger, faster, and more balanced manner. We're going to dive into these um, these practices, and not just from the mother's perspective, but also the father's perspective. So, welcome, Valerie. Um, it's a pleasure to have you here on the show. Uh, I always really love getting to meet with you. I bet we've gotten to meet over Zoom probably, gosh, maybe seven, ten times, maybe even more. Yeah. Um, we've spent a lot of hours together over the phone, and you did a terrific job in directing us and, and coaching us through how to recover. And I think uh, in your book, you say the, along the lines, I, I might get this wrong, you could uh, clean it up a little bit. But the best thing that you can give your child is, uh, a, in essence, a, a good, a, to have a good recovery for the mother. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think yeah. that's, that's so awesome and, and so beautiful that, uh, and, it, and it shows the importance of the mother. It really does. As the as kind of the, the the rock of the entire family, the foundation of the entire family. That if you can focus all of your attention and energy into helping the mother progress and and recover, then that's going to just aid the entire family and help the entire family and um and in getting into a, a stable routine. So. Why don't we start off, Valerie, with kind of maybe what got you into, um, we were talking about this uh, before we hit record, what got you into your, your vocation to leaving this legacy, um, what sparked it, where, where did you get your education from? So let's start off with just a little backstory on Valerie Lynn and, and how you got to maybe writing the mommy plan and, and helping people like me and Jenny out. Okay, no problem. Um, well, it's nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's great to see you and be part of your, your lives now and call you guys good friends and see, you know, you know, baby bump pre, you know, pre star and then star. And, and you guys have done a fantastic job. Probably like one of my best success stories. Um, to be honest with coaching and I take it from your discipline being a professional athletes as well as knowing your body and what works and then being flexible and open to realize um, the post-pregnancy period, you know, you know, concerning Jenny's body is different 
And it's a, it's a special time. It's a healing time when you do less is more and you take advantage of what the body is doing. Cause you've went through a recent, um, injury and you know how to heal your body and kind of getting out of its way and doing special, more gentle things. So, um, I have been, <clears throat> I've been really, really happy each time we can connect. Um, so thanks for that and this opportunity. Now my story started, I've, lived in five different countries, Japan, the UK, Indonesia, Australia, and Malaysia. I've been a, a strategic business consultant in Southeast Asia. And so when I got pregnant, I thought, okay, I didn't take any prenatal classes. I did nothing. And then wound up uh, having my son. And it was just this little person um, rocked my world to the core. So I wound up having postpartum uh, anxiety and OCD, and my journey started when I started to do research how to cure that. Now, just to backtrack from that, with being in Asia, being in since 1994, and then Malaysia since 2000, I had uh, got married and um, fell pregnant. Uh, August 2007, came back to the U.S. because my ex-husband is Australian. And we had planned to come back uh, for a year. And we did, October 2007, and I was pregnant. And around the April, sorry, um, October 2006, April 2007, started to look around for all the afterbirth uh, uh, herbal products and services that they have in, in, in Malaysia. Because, you know, when you get married and all your friends get married short at the same time, then you fall pregnant. All my friends were having this wonderful recovery, Malaysians and expats, and it was really remarkable to see. And I was just like, wow. So, you know, it came back to the U.S. We have everything in the U.S., you think. But this, there was no direction how to recover. There were no products or services. Even at that time, wrapping the abdomen wasn't even popular. So I didn't even do that. So I had my son May 2007 and then returned to Malaysia, August 2007. And I took up a position as executive director of the American Malaysian Chamber of Commerce, where you represent the American business community in the country. So it was a very high profile position, meeting with, you know, government ambassadors and all of that. And at that time, I didn't realize it was about month four postpartum, I started to develop the anxiety. I think from moving back from the U.S., taking a job that was 60 to 70 hours a week. Um, and there we can afford, you know, a live in help, which was a lifesaver. Mm. I could never you know, have done all of this. Um, but it, it was going on and on this anxiety. And I had a clean mental health history in quotes where I had never experienced anxiety or depression or um, anything like that. So mother's day, 2008, is when the penny dropped for me and I was reading articles out of the U S um, as you mentioned, you, you know, it's, it's really needed here. It's a very high statistics of postpartum mood disorders. And the number one complication from pregnancy um, is postpartum mood disorders. I was shocked at um, just the sheer number of women of a million per year, mm. new cases that are diagnosed not even including the existing 
uh, which could be, and then underreported. So you can easily double to triple that uh, cases, active cases in the U.S. And so those, those underlying statistics are not included in the 20 to 25% that uh, the government claims. Uh, I'm postpartum support international country coordinator for Malaysia as well for the last 11 years. Um, so that's why, you know, I'm up on these statistics. So that day, Mother's Day, the penny dropped reading the articles. I had been experiencing postpartum anxiety and OCD. And I deciphered it because I had uh, just uh, anxiety about a new job and learning. But I had unfounded uh, crazy irrational fears about my son that I was going to accidentally hurt him or kill him in some manner, whether it was falling down the stairs, um, whether it was something like that, that was just way out of, you know, the normal thinking, especially when I was a consultant, you're very rational and very level-headed. And I told no one about this and I had no reference point because Malaysia does have the lowest rates of postpartum mood disorders in the world at 3%. I had come to learn that very day. So the next article Actually, that day I Googled when the penny dropped. Oh, my God, this is what I have. And really, that was 50%, I feel, at that time of like a relief because I realized where these, these thoughts were coming from, these intrusive thoughts. And so when you do, when you are scared and you have anxiety, you start to do repetitive behaviors like check locks or, you know, check bath temperature or check where the baby is multiple times before you, like, leave a room. And um, you just do it on instinct. And it's mm. heightened, of course, with the hormones and then your mother instincts kick in. So that same, like, you know, moment within a few minutes, I knew Malaysia had wonderful and very detailed, which I didn't know they were wonderful. They seemed wonderful because they're so caring. But at that point, I knew they were very detailed, very specific how women recover. And then I found out they had the lowest rates of postpartum mood disorder. So I was like, huh. So then I immediately took out a spot, a postnatal spa package. And normally they wouldn't, they might not let someone do that in Malaysia, but I was a foreigner and they're like, okay, whatever. We're just going to, you know, let her buy this because they're very specific where you, that first six weeks is such a, a, a serious healing period. They know what to do. I'm like, okay, we'll just, we'll let her because they, they always, they want to have an effect on the body and it is different, so you're supporting the, the, the trans body's transition back to a non-pregnant state. So they knew how to manipulate support that. So for me, I was out of that period, but um, I still was not healed and not balanced. Mm. So that's where I realized when that happens, you still have an opportunity to heal your body, um, you know, hormonally, mentally. And then, you know, of course, when you work on anything physically with diet and things like that, it, it follows suit. So I took, I took out it. So that day, I took out a spa package with body treatments and wrappings. I took foods and I took something called jamu, which are herbs that help replenish and restore the womb. And, uh, and, I, and I, I naturally rebalanced myself in about three months. Wow. It's, um, it's never too late to heal, huh? You know, no, it's, no, um, it isn't. You have to be focused. Yeah, I have a, um, I have, I just made an Instagram post last night. I have a client. I think he's in his seventies. He, when he first came here, he couldn't, he couldn't get up off the floor. And um, yesterday, 
he was doing burpees where you get on the floor and get up and carry oh and carrying a hundred pounds for 150 feet repetitively and he probably did oh he probably did a total of a thousand feet of, of carries with a hundred pounds and this is a gentleman who couldn't even get off the ground if he got down there you know a couple years ago so um, it's it's I, I, hope, I hope that in your story really help motivate people who maybe think and feel like they're too far gone to know that it is never too late to get started and and healing is always an option no matter how injured or or how depressed or how much anxiety you got that healing is possible you were sharing some statistics and uh, you were actually, because uh, I did a, just a little research uh, before we, we popped on, and <clears throat> you, the, the numbers were, were actually a little, a little low. Um, it, it seems to be that almost upwards of, it, almost pretty close to 50, 50% of women are struggling, and it's not quite 50%, but it's pretty dang close Almost 50% of women are struggling with some sort of, of postpartum dis-ease, whether that be anxiety or depression, um, or like you said, you really struggled with a lot of um, obsessive-compulsive type uh, behaviors, what, whatever it may be, we're struggling here in the United States. Um, and and it's, it's not only in the maternal categories, um, I'm sure here in the U.S. we probably lead the world statistically in a lot of categories that we shouldn't be proud of, especially when it comes to our, our health and our wellness. Uh, I know that we're one of only four countries in the world that, um, uh, how was it It's stated, um, we are one of um, only four countries in the world that more or less basically give you paid time leave. Uh, we're not required to do that. Um, and countries like Malaysia, I guess, what, what are some of the practices that you would see there? Like how much time are women getting off um, for work when, well, after they have their, their babies? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question because I'm always so proud of Malaysia. And again, the first time I went to Malaysia was 1994 for a month and fell in love with it. And I've been living in Malaysia since 2000, 2000 to 2012 full-time. And since then, uh, part-time. Um, so we'll have a property in Malaysia. So I'm just so proud of them. And people say, well, why Malaysia? And, and why did you study that? I just want to say and I think I've explained this to you in some way, just to set the, the mood that, uh, that it's the, it's every country has something that the universe has given it to contribute to the world in a positive manner. They, I would say Japan does sushi, Germany does cars, UK does tea, we do innovation. Malaysia does postpartum recovery, mm. postnatal recovery. That's their contribution really to, to the universe. And that's how I look at it, why they do it so well, why it's, so detailed and why it's so successful. Um, so, but what, what they do is they give, it's a quality versus a quantity of time 
And so they put value to that time. So it's a planned recovery versus a random. Uh. So what they do is they give three months of a national maternity leave. But what's even what's even better, like the cherry on the you know on the Sunday, is each woman that gives birth in a public hospital is entitled to six free two hour body treatment, massages, and wrapping. Wow. Six free two hour body massages, treatments, or wrappings, uh, targeting day five after childbirth, but starting by day seven and finishing by day 44. And this is in the public hospitals. The private hospitals, obviously, they, they provide this service, to, uh, the same service to their, you know, their moms. But that is the investment, the level of investment of their national maternity health care policy that I was blown away by that, the investment yeah. in women those, and mothers. And those families. are some great incentives over here in the U S we incentivize people to do medical <laughs> treatments with beer and donuts. That's how we do it. Look at you guys over in Malaysia. Wow. That is, that is incredible. So that's, I mean, awesome for Malaysia, you know, hats off to Malaysia round of applause for Malaysia, but we're not in Malaysia, all right? No. We're not. I'm not, all right? And you're not right now, actually. Um, and, um, and it doesn't change the fact that United States is one of only four countries in the world that does not require the employees, the employers, to provide paid maternity leave. So with that being said, assuming that the majority of women who are working that get pregnant are not going to have this this huge time off, what are some practices that we can do with the time that we do have to improve the rate at which we're recovering? What are some of these practices that you talk about in the mommy plan? Um, let's, you know, I, I, I do remember from... Uh, from your teachings that you had these kind of different timelines. Like let's say they got 20 days before they have to be back to work or 40 days before they have to be back to work, whatever it is. Let's get into some of the actual practices that you discuss in your book, The Mommy Plan, that women can start applying to their lives after they've had their, their child and to, to assist in the recovery process. Um, and, and before we get into that, so much of, of how we kind of act here in our culture is, is so much about, it's this like, do, 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 go, go, go. It's a, it's a very fast pace and, 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 uh, and I'm actually even doing it to you right now. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? What are all the <laughs> things we got to do, Valerie, to get healthy and to get back, uh, to get back into uh, as, as well of a, a vessel as, as we can be before we return back to work, knowing that that's going to be the greatest gift that we can give our, our child is a, is a great recovery for the mother. Um, I... And we did that uh, that Instagram live, you and Jenny, and everyone's so concerned about um, the exercise. They want to exercise. <laughs> they want to do all these things. 
but after after reading your book and working with you, um, very little of the recovery aspect had anything to do with certain exercises or uh, or activities, if you will. It was it had a lot to do with um, your nutrition and chilling, <laughs> laying down, <laughs> relaxing. Um, bonding with the child, um, things of that nature, which is very foreign uh, to us uh, here in the United States. Uh, you want me to sit down and relax? That doesn't seem like a practical solution to us here in regards to uh, getting something done like recovery. So uh, I'm done with my little rant. Let's start getting into... Uh, some of the, the the real essences of the book and practices of the book that that mothers who are listening to this, or soon to be mothers who are listening to this, uh, or even if you you've already had your child, just like you said, you'd you'd had your child and and you got a little late start, but we had already kind of said this. It's it's never too late to start healing. It's never too late to start going to work on some of these things. Um, so let's start getting into the meat and potatoes of the book and, and providing our listeners with, with real practical solutions to uh, assisting in the recovery of their, uh, of their body. Okay, yeah, that sounds great. And all of you said is, is so correct and everything is do, do, do and not to relax. And so with the medicalization of birth, there is an, an important place on the afterbirth recovery. So in, within two generations from my research, um, this is where it's become, it's become lost. And I do want to mention what I did and how I came about this. And I, because I was the executive director of the American Chambers, I had very good government contacts. I applied to do a self-funded study through the Ministry of Health in Malaysia. And so I went into hospitals, and I was granted the permission. I went to hospitals and the field, jungles, massage schools, manufacturing places. And I and my direct contact, contact was the head of the traditional complementary medicine department under the Ministry of Health. So I went and I seen where they give these six treatments to moms and how simple it is. The simplicity blew me away. You don't have to overthink this. Uh, you let the body do what it's meant to do. And so I reverse engineered their postnatal protocol. And I took the top like uh, like 14. Um, and I took the maybe 14. And I, and I put uh, anatomy and science and food science behind the guidelines, all based around the post condition of a woman's body and the postnatal anatomy. So I reverse engineered their practices and I put science behind it. So us Westerners can uh, understand it and accept it. And then I adapted it for a Western diet and lifestyle. So that's my frame of reference where I, I always come back to the basics because we're not in Malaysia. Like you said, we don't have, uh, you know, the skills uh, on a broad level or the knowledge so I just want to let you know, like, where I'm coming from, because there's certain things that we need to understand and we need to understand what happens, the transition from the third to the fourth trimester, you know, from birth, from pregnancy, to labor and birth and to afterwards. 
And that's why, um, are your uh, clients or, or moms always talking about the fourth trimester and figuring out what they need to do? Is that a buzzword? The f- I think there's honestly still a lot of confusion and, and, and simply, I don't think a lot of people, I haven't even heard of the fourth trimester until I, until I met you. Um, so uh, the, the fourth trimester in, in regards to the recovery aspect is, isn't really talked about, you know, I, I don't, I even, Valerie, I read so many gosh damn books to get ready for the birth of our child. I'm not kidding. I put in a good 200, 300 hours, read 10, 10, 12 books, took certifications and classes and webinars and met, met with people like you. And um, it wasn't until we met you that any of that has any of the recovery aspect had even come into my consciousness. It, it was, it was all, all so very uh, prenatal. Um, every, mm-hmm. There was very little uh, postnatal talk. Um, there was very little um, aftercare talk in regards to the the recovery process. It was just like. All preparation, all preparation, all preparation. You have your baby and see ya. You're like, <laughs> good luck. Um, and, and even though we didn't have a, uh, a hospital birth, I have plenty of friends who've had a hospital birth. And um, it, it seems to be a, a, a really uh, similar general consensus around um, around this topic of, of postnatal care and recovery for the mother, uh, that there, there really isn't much of a discussion around it. Um, again, out of all the books that, that I read through, yours was the only one that had anything to say about what happens after the baby. Sure. There's, there's, I mean, you can pick up books on, on what happens after the baby comes for the baby, but what oh. are we doing for the mother? Yeah, we can talk about feeding schedules and 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 sleep schedules and and things uh, things for the child, but what are we doing for the mother? Um, there, there's there was very little information out there, as, at least from my point of view and and from my research. And it wasn't until we we met you and and read the mommy plan that we, we really had a, a, a kind of an aha moment um, with, with our education and, and coming to know that the recovery process for the mother may very well be the single most important aspect to having a, a smooth and enjoyable um, post-delivery um, experience, you know? So yes, for um, sure. I and think people it, don't recognize that. Yeah. We need, we, we need to talk about it. I, I, I wish it was a buzzword, Valerie. I wish it was a hot topic right now. I wish it was like, you know, I wish it was the most talked about thing. 
because it's, it's probably where we're falling the most short um, in regards to, um, well, struggle. Like we talked about the statistics. We talked about the numbers. Um, we're not doing great here. Um, it, it's not going so well. Um, and and you, it looks like you almost have like a 50-50 chance of making it out alive of this, um, of, of, of having a child right now here in the United States. And when I say making it out alive, at least making it out with, without some sort of diagnosed um, disease. And, and, and who knows, we, we, may, we might not even have the, the full grasp on, on uh, this pandemic statistically. Um, think of how many of, of, of these mothers are, are going undiagnosed, you know? Um, so it's, it's probably in all reality, it's probably a lot worse than what we're even able to gauge from it statistically on what is reported. So, um, I hope that through this, this, this recording, this podcast, my platform, we can, we can begin to make it a buzzword, Valerie, like the, the fourth trimester will, will, will be very much talked about. I really hope I, not to be boastful or, or arrogant, um, about my status and ability to spread a message, but it's more so just my, my, my passion and my mission to, to help people, uh, optimize their lives. And, and this honestly, because of our education and working with people like you, this has been a very enjoyable process for us. Very enjoyable, like pure joy, pure joy the entire time. There is, I could count literally on maybe like three fingers or like my one hand, any moments that we've had that were like even kind of semi-stressful throughout this entire process, um, that it, it's all truly been pure joy. And I, be, I, 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 and I don't think it's because we got lucky, you know? I don't think luck just found us and we got a good baby. Um, and I hear that all the time. Oh, you're so lucky. You got a good baby. And I roll with it and just, you know, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, she's a great baby. Um, <laughs> but no, we worked really, really hard. Uh, we, prepa- did. we prepared. Um, and and, um, and I'm so thankful that we, we had you because I'm not so sure that it would have been as an enjoyable of process if we didn't have the education and information that we gathered from you. So let's, um, let's help people out and let's get that information out and let's make the fourth trimester the buzziest word around, uh, around um, having babies. So yeah, what, that sounds great. What is the fourth trimester? And, um, and let's get into, you know, some of the, um, you know, like you were talking about the, the, the science of it all, the, 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 the anatomy of it all, the food science of it all, the, the, the medical aspect of all of it, and, and start unpacking what, what a, a post-pregnancy recovery program kind of looks like. Okay, great. Sounds good. Well, first and foremost, having a dad like you that embraces this or support system is very important. That's why the, the first six weeks, the first 30 days, which is most common in the U.S., 
and people think, okay, we can do a month, you know, versus the six weeks. It's so important for a mom to have that and to understand because a lot of moms that come to me, they have to convince everyone around them to give them this time and to not think they're lazy or having, you know, being, you know, spoiled or, so that's something that is very common in the U.S. And if you think about in Asia, uh, where it's deemed as, you know, a might be more difficult life, you know, they give these moms this, this uninterrupted healing period of 30, of four to six weeks with, with, with no question, because they want the mom to heal. They understand it takes a lot to, you know, grow a body over nine months, have that draining of nutrients on the body and, you know, the influx of all the hormones and the body adapting, you know, its center of gravity, you know, to growing a human being. That's the, that's the, and then the experience of childbirth, that it needs a lot more care uh, and attention, specific care and attention over the six weeks, and they're given it because they want that mom to be up and a productive and contributing member to the family. And that, so it's uninterrupted and not questioned. Here, we don't even see the value of it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's something I feel the moms always have to sell the people around them that to be given this time. So a support group, and that's why when I always have clients, I always have the dads on the call you know, if they can to, or, you know, a Zoom call recorded so they can look at it and realize the importance. Um, as well as even grandmothers, sometimes they're like, you know, I just had a baby and went through it. But there was more care back then. There's more family support. There weren't as many chemicals in the air or chemicals in the food. You know, good nutrition was, you know, abundant. Here, we have to search for it. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are hormonal disruptors. Okay, so those are things that disrupt the hormonal rebounding. So really what we're experiencing in the U.S., why we have a healing period of six weeks and then a very long recovery period, and I even believe the, you know, the healing period um, is even extended longer than the six weeks because uh, that's your targeted medical checkup when we're supposed to go back and have that check is because there's a start-stop, start-stop healing process by the things I just mentioned, as well as, you know, our daily lifestyle, our habits, activities, um, what we're putting in the body that is going against, uh, working against and disrupting the body's natural healing capability. And yeah, so that, that's, that's like one of the paramount things that we have to understand. And again, I've reverse engineered it. And, and, and my research uh, through the Ministry of Health in Malaysia is the mommy plant. Because we have a plan for baby, right? All these things, you know, we have a baby plan, we have a birthing plan, but we have no mommy plan. And so we just need, and what I love about, you know, the Malaysians, like they just have very specific, you know, uh, postnatal precautions for personal care, the activities, lifestyle, temporary, right? These are all types, you know, temporary. Um, And, you know, while the body is going through, you know, that intense healing period during what I call the healing window of opportunity, which is, you know, up to six weeks. And here I even think it's longer in the U.S., eight to ten weeks. Um, so, so yeah, so that's the first, you know, the first part. So we need a support system and we need to understand what's happening in the body. Do you want me to just cover a little bit of the 
science behind it just to give a basis. Yeah, I, t- I totally think we should we should definitely, you know, kind of, we are limited, well, we're not truly limited. If we wanted to stay on this recording for three more hours, we could. But it, it's, <laughs> as, as much as possible, I, I would like to get into the science, anatomy, and 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 and. Also, the I know it's it's sometimes here in the United States we like we have to have science to to believe <laughs> and see and understand anything. Yes. Um, so as as much as I would like to touch on some of the science of it all and and anatomy of it all, um, I I honestly I'm I'm more attracted to the tradition. I, I want to talk about these ancient wisdom teachings that have been passed down from generation to generation. And honestly, that's that's what we're maybe missing most and why we are, are in such a, a problematic time here. Um, well, in more ways than just uh, the maternal aspect uh, is tradition. Um the the family system is is very broken here in the United States. It's uh it's very rare uh to to see an entire families kind of living and communing together. Whereas from my travels when I've I've gone to uh, other countries, it's it's really cool to see all the brothers and sisters living together, the grandparents and everyone all living together, all contributing, all helping, and these really wise elders too, very wise elders, and and that are um, tasked with with basically educating and passing their wisdom along. So that's on. If I had to pick one thing that we really uh, focus on, would be these these kind of ancient wisdom teachings that have been passed along that have allowed Malaysia to be um, really setting the standard to how we should be caring for for these new mothers. Um, but also, I, it is going to be a little important for our, our listeners here in the States that we, we talk about the studies and the science or else it might be it might be too much for them to uh, to digest. So um, and you do a great. We could do a, a you, little book. Yeah, you do a great job on it, honestly, Valerie, in, in the book. So you know, just just take that work that you. I'm I'm sure that was a lot of work to write that book, um, and lots of years of of learning and education and 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 putting things into actual practice. Um, but just. Um, yeah, just I think I don't even think we really need to to worry honestly too much about uh, all the different angles that we could we could cover this with. But um, yeah, just just share with us, and and I would like to just keep it honestly as practical as possible. Like, what are what are some literal things that that mothers and fathers um, and family members can do? to assist in the recovery process so that we can get out of the gutter here in the United States and we can start um, reforming uh, these uh, <laughs> the statistical shit show that we're in right now. 
Okay. Uh, okay. The basics. All right. I'll, I'll slide a little bit of just the very basic science to understand the body. Cause that's important because we don't have any frame of reference here. And like, why should people listen to Malaysia? Why should they, well, not listen to Malaysia. Why should they look at them as a benchmark? Cause they are the global benchmark. Mm-hmm. And that's where about in the U S we don't like to reinvent the wheel though. We reinvent it. We'd love to, you know, I mean, to create it, we have to reinvent it. And so that's what I did. And, and one thing that they do is they start from day one, the day the mom gives birth, very gently, you know, starting to recovery. So there's specifics that they do, meaning, so, and you're replacing that exercise with body care. And you're not going to be at a loss for anything to do. And I think you can attest mm. to this, that you are freaking busy. There's no, you know what I mean? So all the preparation happens before baby's born because it's a beautiful, wonderful, but it's chaos once baby's born. You know, you don't, because you're recovering from two different things. Women are recovering from pregnancy and from childbirth. And so there's two things that people don't realize, you know, because you don't know what's happened during pregnancy. I had a great pregnancy. I had no morning sickness. It was fantastic. Loved it. And then, you know, then the the postpartum anxiety kicked in four months later. And that's why I really didn't recognize it. And then when I moved back to Malaysia, there was no one to speak about it because they do have the lowest rates. So the first thing they do, they set up and have a plan. It's not a random recovery. Like, whoop, okay, my body's going to transition back. It's natural. And that is true. But there's, again, there's so many disruptors now. The odds are against us of having a balanced recovery. And this is evident in all these maternity leaves that the corporates are giving, mm. they're rolling them back a few weeks. And what they're doing is, because uh, the, those women are not coming back productive and contributing because they don't have a plan. And so they're like, well, so, but what they're doing is supplementing these long maternity leaves. Say they'll take off two weeks or three weeks. They're supplementing it with money for childcare for the baby mm. instead of, because there's no, there hasn't, there's not a quality time because it's still a, you know, hormonal recovery that the moms are going through. So that is evident now. It's just been about five or seven years it's been happening. And I always knew this because my big thing is a plan. And I think I said this to you and Jenny, plan versus random recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the things you have. You should plan it and get the mindset. And I try to start clients from like around week 30 you know, thinking about that mindset and having the value. And during that first, you know, third, you know, four to six weeks, less is more. You know, you really, you know, live, you know, small, reduce your, your lifestyle and your life because you will need it. The mom will need it for the baby. Dad is super important. Dad, partner, family support. And if you don't have that, if you can afford, um, you know, a birth professional, help during that time. So if you're going to live smaller, replace the exercise and what you do, do, do with body and specifics. Because they say, oh, I'll take a herbal bath. Oh, I'll take a success. No, no, no. Specifics, you know, that's what I get into. Then you won't feel like less is doing more. Mm. And then you also, mom will also be in tune to baby's cues faster and more in tune of all this external stimuli. Mm. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a great point right there, Valerie. Uh, If you're, if you're, if you're doing, 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 and 
and you're just exercising this neurotic behavior of, of cleaning and and trying to do core exercises to get you to get yourself <laughs> back together, um, you may very well miss out on the the subtle the subtleties of of which how mm-hmm. your child communicates to you, um, mm-hmm. and and they will just seem kind of random and annoying um, rather than and you're going to be relying on other people to tell you what it could be. Ooh. You know, instead of really listening, and it's like. That's not your baby, and we rely on too much. We gotta get back to our instincts, look at our internal body, look at, and being also um, in tune to the mom must be in tune to what's going on inside her, mm. because a lot of times they're just we're disconnected. I was totally disconnected from my postpartum body. It was like, wait, what's going on? What's happening? Like weird stuff happens, and Jake could say that after you give birth, when the body's reversing and it's getting rid of the retained element of the water, fat, and flatulence, and all of that, and how it's doing it, and all this, you know, all those bodily, you know, things that you have no control over, and you're just, it, it's, 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 it's uh, un- unnerving, it can be, and that affects breast milk production, all of that, and then we get slammed with, oh, you know, take this breast milk tea for that, and do this for that, and, um, it's a matter of just, yeah, just living smaller during that period. Mm. Um, let's uh, let's maybe get into some of the, um, the 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 preparatory aspects of of the recovery. Uh, like a, a for instance, you mentioned starting this work around like the thirty week mark. Um, maybe even, I would even recommend sooner in some cases. Um, and I can even give a little testimony on that. Um, for us, it was, uh, it was going to be important to, to start meal prepping and I didn't have a mm-hmm. deep freezer and we were in the middle of a, uh, uh, a pandemic, uh, is what they <laughs> called it. And, uh, you couldn't find a deep freezer anywhere. Everybody was buying deep freezers. So, it took us a second to find a deep freezer and then starts the mission of filling the deep freezer with, uh, with food. And uh, this was probably one of the most helpful things that we did to prepare uh, in regards to Jennifer's recovery because it also it freed me up quite a bit where I was able to um, just kind of do, do a little bit do the things that she wanted to do um, and uh, probably would have done if they weren't getting done. So it allowed me to clean up the house a little bit, do some dishes and, and tidy the house so she didn't feel this this constant nagging desire to get up and go sweep the floors and clean the countertops and stuff. So uh, it freed me up quite a bit to be able to do a little bit more and um, I just, I literally followed, I'm, I'm pretty good in the kitchen, so I did make some, uh, some minor adjustments to kind of suit, suit our taste and, and our palate a little bit more, but I went through the, the book and basically copied all these recipes and, and made an abundance of them. I, I made about 40 days worth of, um, worth of food. And, um, actually even just, it came in handy. I had, we probably had maybe 
four days more than what we needed stocked in there. Um, and we were just moving our house recently and we had some extra leftovers in the deep freezer <laughs> and, uh, we used that to, to feed ourselves. So it, it came in handy, uh, for, for more, more things than just the recovery aspect, but even it, it goes to, you know, goes to show you how, how helpful being prepared can be. Um, you know, that preparation that we put uh, toward our nutrition paid off even beyond the, the recovery aspect for Jenny. It, uh, it, it helped us through, um, and I'm, for someone who's lived in about, shoot, I think you've lived in like six different countries, you know, moving's quite stressful. Um, and, uh, it's even more stressful when you're not eating uh, or you're eating garbage (laughs) So it, it really came in handy for us because we were able to continue nurturing ourselves with, with good nutrition and high quality nutrition uh, that I I learned from I learned from the mommy plan and so I just I had that deep freezer just chalked full of just bone broth and <laughs> soups and and meals ready to go and uh, that was. Um, that was a huge, a huge relief for us over the next, um, you know, 30, 40 days where I didn't have to really worry about, um, you know, preparing food is, is really the most time consuming aspect of, of making food. The, the, it is. The, it is. The cooking. But also you, you also were specific about what type of meals you did. You didn't make a big fat lasagna or something super heavy. You looked at the postnatal meals. You looked at the nutrition that Jen would need. And so that's also very, very key because people are making, and even my doula friends, they're making macaroni and cheese. They're making, you know, really like the lasagna. That's at the time that that's not good for the digestive system. And so you, kudos to you. And you also are, are very handy and excellent in the kitchen. And Jen said that. And that was one of my first questions, I think. You know, does Sam cook? And so people, like with dads, that's why I think you're such an important role model for dads, that they have to learn either, will they, can they? What's the limitation? How can they support the mom? Can they do meals? Meals is really huge, and you can attest to that. And so that's why my cookbook is like simple recipes for new moms. Because I also thought about the caregivers and partners and husbands and dads that if they weren't comfortable in the kitchen, they could make them, but they'll know what to make because everything of mine is based on the postnatal anatomy and the, the, the condition of the digestive system mm. after childbirth. Yes. So that's what you did. It's a big difference. It's not just making anything. Um, and so, yeah, I think we should definitely touch on this and, and how food is used as medicine and why certain foods can negatively impact or positively, positively affect the, uh, the healing capabilities of a woman's body as they transition um, back into a non-pregnant um, state. So let's, yeah, let's get into, I guess, yeah, how, how food can be used as medicine and and what what foods can maybe be helpful what can be harmful what should we avoid what should we attract ourselves to um let's start maybe kind of getting into 
the uh, the nutritional side of things and 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 how we can use food as medicine. Was that Hi- Hippocrates or uh, that that stated food is medicine? Was it that guy? Yeah, was something, it that like, something like that. <laughs> was it that smart dude? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it is used as medicine fully every day, and things that we do for doing the post this postnatal he- healing period has a purpose. The, the body care, the nutrition, um, your lifestyle, it has it has a purpose. So it's not random, okay, not a random recovery. So just to let people know, okay, before the before like the rabbit died type of pregnancy test that's like in the fifties or something, how people how women found you know, found out they were pregnant was usually an elevated temp basal body temperature that was sustainable outside of the menstrual cycle for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So when we are uh, pregnant, we are in a hot state. So the basal body temperature, 98.6, is raised 0.5 to 1.5 degrees above. So that's the hot state. So you're an incubator for the baby. Your body's like hijacked by the little baby. And so even though it's a very small amount, we think it's significant because it grows another human being. Mm-hmm. So now when we birth the baby, we lose the body heat of the baby, the blood, the placenta experience of childbirth, a woman's body is shifted into a cold state, mm. 0.5 to 1.5 degrees below the basal body temperature. So this is called the humoral theory of medicine as it's applied to the pregnancy and post-pregnancy period. Hot, cold. That's the basis uh, as well as hot, cold for you know Eastern medicine. So we have to realize that the mom is in a cold state. Also, what happens when... Um, we, when childbirth triggers something in the body, obviously, so it triggers the start, the subtle start back to the, you know, transitioning back. So the primary functions of the body, the circulation, digestive, and metabolism that are primary, they're triggered, they become secondary. Mm. Okay, the postpartum functions of breast milk production, hormonal rebalancing, and shedding the retained elements of the water, fat, and flagellants become primary. So you have to realize that's the backdrop of everything. Mom's in a cold state, and then the digestive circulation metabolism are stalled, and they're not functioning because the body's got to give. You have a finite amount of energy in the body for food and, and, and storage of fat that the body's going to use, but those, those functions become secondary, so the digestive is a big one that becomes slowed. So if you're going to eat a salad, What's salad? Salad's roughish. If your digestive system is slowed or stalled, what's going to happen? It can't push through anything. So the roughage that's normally good and on the healthy list is just not good at this time mm. for the stage of the digestion. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to note that you know when we're discussing good foods or bad foods, these foods aren't inherently bad. All right? No. So... Um, you know, fiber from vegetables is not a bad thing, but it might not be good timing, uh, especially when your digestive system is compromised. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's really important for the listeners to understand that we're not saying vegetables are bad. They just might yeah. not be the best thing for you, especially raw. <laughs> if, um, yeah. While you're in this cold state, the metabolism is slowed down. And it's interesting that you bring up uh, the the body temperature. I've had a few guests on here 
and uh, body temperature is a really important diagnostic tool that we use uh, to uh, correlate to our metabolism. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to hear you talk about these kind of um, secondary um, kind of aspects to the body's focus during this time of recovery because we have a really similar thing going on in, in men and women uh, outside of even uh, of, of pregnancy or um, um, postnatal recovery. And, and, it, and it ties kind of into our, our go, go, go culture. And because we're go, go, go all the time, it's kind of, it kind of puts us in this, um, fight or flight response and our body kind of thinks that we're under attack and and we're stressed out. And when it thinks we're under attack and we're stressed out, it's going to make other things secondary, uh, such Mm -hmm. as the production of maybe sex hormones. And we know how important hormones are to our well being and us feeling good. Um, so I just kind of, I found that really interesting, uh, that you know, I keep having these um, these guests on, and 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 body temperature ends up telling us so much about uh, about the state that we're in, and then just by simply knowing your body temp, you can start actually adjusting your practices so that you can assist in maybe getting out of this said cold state. Uh, which would be uh, an indication of a, a really slow metabolism or, um, or like we're discussing right now, um, a, it's not a compromised digestive system. It's just the body's shifted its focus into, uh, what, what did you say, the um, getting rid of the fluids um, and, yeah. and um, what else was it? Getting rid of the water, fat, and flatulence. Mm-hmm. Producing breast milk and hormonal rebalancing, they become you know, prominent, their number one. And this goes back to the very basic element of the function of the purpose of a woman's body. Mm. We're supposed to give birth. This goes back, you know, to the primitive, like, this is the basic. And so this is how Mother Nature gave us this. Because if you think about it, which also another, which also Westerners really um, understood better once uh, I explained this, is pregnancy is about 280 days. If you take the six weeks, that's the six weeks before our, our physical checkup, that is only 15% of the time a woman spends pregnant, mm. but 85 to 90% of the healing happens during that time. Wow. So six weeks. So what's going on? Like there's a super exercise that's happening. Don't think about exercise on the outside. It's the exercise on the inside when the body is working for us and it's, we don't have to do anything. So it's, it's minimal effort with maximum results because this is something that's triggered that, you know, mother nature gave us, you know, women gave women to help their bodies heal. And so that is why the Malaysian protocol, I just always go back to it's the most detailed, the highest success rates with recovery. And I always try and figure out, from a science perspective, what they do and why. Mm. And so I can give you an example, a very simple example that I give, how this works, uh, the system and, and the evidence of it. So when you're in the cold state, okay, and your body's doing everything, you have the backdrop of slowed functions, slowed primary functions, you know, the new, uh, the new postpartum functions, 
and you're in the cold state and you take a glass of cold water and you drink it. Okay. Or you eat a big chunk of lasagna or something like that. Something that's heavy on the digestive system or like Brussels sprouts or crescivious or salad. What's going to happen is that finite amount of energy in the body is going to be taken away from the postpartum functions and it's going to go concentrate on the digestive system that, you know, probably takes us about 85% of our energy anyway. And it's going to slow the postpartum functions. It's going to slow the shedding, the breast milk production, the re- recovering, uh, you know, the metabolism, getting the circulation back. And all the energy is going to focus on the digestive system. And then when that water is heated or the food is digested, then it's going to go back. And energy is going to go back to, to doing everything else. So it's a start, stop, start, stop mm. healing process because we're not having easy foods and warming foods that are easy on the digestive system. So we don't totally interrupt and shock the body and, and take away what it's doing because there's so many things happening in a woman's body after childbirth which in the cold state, it's producing the breast milk. It's, it's healing. It's wound healing. If you have pharmaceuticals, it's trying to get those out of the body. Um, mm. There's about 15 different conditions that's happening simultaneously that is fighting for the body's energy reserves and is being interrupted. So it's a state of confusion. Mm. So that's why what we put into it is soft and warming and also stimulation, circulation, and warming properties in the food properties in the herbal products that you use that support this and don't, you know, don't, you know, take it away or shock the body. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very well said. Um, we've, we've gotten to discuss a little bit about the, the metabolic nature of, of the recovery and, and the, the, nutritional side of things, uh, which are, you know, they're kind of tied, they're very well tied together. Um, let's maybe start to pivot a little bit to the anatomy. And if you've, if you've never done a Google search on, on what a full-term pregnant woman's organs look like, it's worth it's worth the Google search. Um, the our, the anatomy changes quite a bit. Things get moved around. All right, and um, I would I would like to get into what are some of the things that are happening to the mother during this process to her anatomy, and what are some things that we can do to assist the body in um, getting all the bits back in place. Okay, so very, very true. That's due to the relaxant hormone that uh, starts to be released within, in the body within the first few months of pregnancy. Because as the body, uh, you know, the body um, you know, is compensates for a growing baby, and so the center of gravity shifts. Okay, with the belly goes out more, and then the bump goes up the other way because that's it. Just shifts. So it's it's an incre- it's really incredible. Um, how, how the body does change so much. And like I said, how it shifts back so quickly, mm-hmm. that 15%, it's, it's incredible. So what happens is, of course, everyone, a lot of women, you know, have, um, whether it's a sciatica, whether um, it, it, they have a heartburn, indigestion, because the baby has to grow and so the organs are pushed up. 
And uh, when the baby is birthed, uh, there is a cavity. It's just a ho- it's hollow. Well, it says air, not hollow, but it has air. And, you know, and then also there's water and there's fat in the body. So the body wants to shed that and release that as soon as possible, including the blood, including the lochia that is also uh, part of that. We want to get rid of that as soon as possible. That has uh, built up 10 months of toxins. And so that is also, you know, from the traditional perspective, we want to get that out as soon as possible. So we actually, the Malaysian protocol is just even breaks it down week by week. What happens in the body the first week? The body is massively getting rid of the blood, the lochia. Second week, even though that's still happening, so you have to think of it in layers against the backdrop of being called, against the you know the primary functions being stalled. First week is body help the body get the blood out as soon as possible. If it's still bleeding, then we're going to focus on getting the water, fat, and flatulence out. Then the third week, against all of those things happening simultaneously, we're strengthening the digestive system. And we're, you know, changing different foods we have to support all this. So you get into the specifics. So, for example, respect with the food, again, that's used as medicine for the anatomy and helping it is the relaxant hormone. One of the uh, recommendations is to avoid acidic foods like tomatoes, we'll say nightshades. So when you look at it with an arthritic diet here, those are the first things that are like a no-no because it, it irritates the joints. Right, and arthritis, and that's also I'm thinking. Okay, when I first thought about this, well, the relaxing hormone, this may be the same because you might be irritating the joints, and that will cause again the body's energy to be pivoted away from the primary function it's doing. So that's why they really, they, they there's a there's the science there's science to it, but they don't know there's science to it, right? Because it's tradition. So. That happens, so that's why the relaxing hormone and supporting the body, like wearing a garment, a post, you know, a postpartum abdominal garment, um, should be every woman should be entitled mm. to one, and they should wear it because it does so much from closing the cervix. If you've had, even if you had a cesarean, you have to open ten centimeters, you have to close ten centimeters. <laughs> so having a garment that includes the hips, even if you've had a cesarean birth, you know where your center of gravity is all on the perineum muscle that goes, you know, from the bum, you know, to the front, it, it's weakened mm. because you have all this extra weight that's in the center, center, the baby. And, you know, also, again, you're recovering from pregnancy and childbirth. There could be, you know, trauma to, you know, the perineum, whether it's tearing or bruising. So that garment will support the hips, supports the perineum, it holds the, um, it's, remember, you're working also with, um, you know, the relaxing hormone that can also help you heal, you know, the um, the muscles. It helps the body shrink because you have it, so that thing's hanging. So your energy is, because you're vertical and being held more, you know, like we wear a back brace, your, your body's energy flows better. So that's not going to help the body drain the water, fat, and flatulence. It's going to help the muscles um, get you know get together, close together better because you don't have that pulling, you know. And with that, it helps the, the the intestines and the organs that have been pushed up and fall. Um, they're going to help the reposition as mm. well. And when all that's happening, you're taking the physical strain off the body by having this 
support and the warming and, and the stimulation circulation products and food. So you're, you're giving it that outside art, extra natural but artificial boost, um, taking the physical strain on the, off the body, allowing for better hormonal recovery, breast milk production, letdown of breast milk as well. And shedding everything, so you—it's forcing you to to not do do do, and to help you, remind you to do less, and 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 live live smaller. So when we we actually so the Malaysian protocol, we actively manage we manage the active process of the revision of the effects of pregnancy. Mm. Very detailed. Yeah. Um, my, my main focus, um, when reading your book, the mommy plan was, was pretty centralized around the nutritional side of things. Um, in, in your book, are, are you covering the wrapping? Um, it, yeah, I do. I do cover it. I don't know how much in detail. Um, but it definitely it, it's covered. I think over the years, cause that my the first one that was printed was published in 2012 and 2019. Um, I go over the wrapping. Um, that's probably I do it better verbally. Yeah. You know? Is, uh, and, and so people know too, um, we've talked about your, your book, the mommy plan. Uh, but we've, we've talked very little about your, um, postnatal care products, um, and packages that you've put together. Um, and in um, different feminine hygiene products and washes and herbs that, that can be used to assist in the recovery. Let's maybe touch a little bit on, on that and, and what some of these tools look like, what some of these herbs are, how they're used, and, and, how, they, uh, and how they assist in the, in the recovery process. Okay, well, what, what we did with my manufacturer, who's really wonderful, you know, Malaysian, my supply chain is all the way from manufacturing to logistics in LA where I use, you know, a Malaysian um, warehouse and fulfillment center, you know, who I love. So I'm very proud of that. Um, we, they, they created a, a postnatal care set and they're used in Malaysia and then they created one uh, for the U.S. market, but it's also used in Malaysia. It's 10 products. With that, I found since we don't have this education and support, it's a DIY kit. It needed like my book to give that basis. And then again, the recent cookbook is also with it. And in the set, there's the herbal wash, there's, um, there's feminine wash, there's um, post postpartum abdominal garments, something for postnatal headaches. And there's a product you should charge for 30 days, every day, morning and evening, what you do all laid out comes with product usage videos because What's really important, and Jen and I spoke about this, that everyone wants to have sex sooner than they probably should. <laughs> and so the first four days, again, direction, right? What do we do? We don't know. We had a baby. What do we do? So the first four days devoted to the perineum, to you devoted to the air through it. See, this is simple, but you are doing something. The, the herbal wash. First time a mom wants to get clean, she does a 20 minute sits bath. You can, you can do like a sponge or something else. That's the best way because you, it's antibacterial, uh, uh, um, and it's wound healing. So the products that I import and that were created by my manufacturer have Malaysian magic in it. I call it. 
So it's traditional herbs that have been sustainably farmed and harvested um, that are used for centuries in traditional feminine healthcare. So like rhododendron and shindupu, for example, misai kuching are some of them that is like wound uh, cleansing, wound healing, vaginal muscle tightening, uh, stimulation again to get the water, fat, and flatulence out. So the products are also all based on warming and stimulating and circulating properties because you're based on right all what I talked about before the cold state, mm. you know the you know the the um, power down of the digestive circulation metabolism. So we give that to the mom every day because she's in that that she needs. So this is used, these can be used at any time, these products, but it's a, it's a concentrated set and a collection that has been specifically chosen and is used in combination, single and combination, you know, for 30 days. And right. so that, that's what it is. But we want to start with the perineum first four days because we want mom to give her a break. She's had the baby. We want breast milk production to come in. So we want to Really start to combination use by day five. But first, it's first four days, morning, evening, 20-minute vaginal uh, six bath soak. And that's how simple it is, but it makes a tremendous difference. Yeah. What I really liked about it, Valerie, was, um, well, we did um, we did a 30-day lay-in. Um, this was encouraged by you. I don't, I don't know if we wouldn't have met you. Uh, I would imagine we probably would have been going on walks and Jen would have been cleaning the house and doing all sorts of crazy things. But after consulting with you, we saw the importance of the downtime, the time for, for mom and baby to bond um, and, uh, and just and be still and recover. And even though we had a, a pretty good wealth of knowledge in regards to... Um, recovery practices, I, I still, I just, I don't think that we would have taken that amount of time to, um, to just chill out. And what I really liked about, um, the, that your package, your, your herbs and, and all the washes and stuff is it gave Jenny something to do. It gave her something to do. Like with that 30 day lay in, it was a lay in. She did nothing except for keep that baby pretty well attached to her tit and um and she put it down for some naps but jenny jenny did a really really good job i really didn't have to enforce it we we used to joke about it that i would have to like force her to 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 stay laying down and relaxing but for 30 days she she didn't do really anything uh except for just her her regimen uh, with with your products and it was perfect for her because she's a very detail oriented, very scheduled person. So I, I loved the the like the laminated sheets and stuff with all the with all the you know you you wash with this at, at this time you 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 drink this at this time you you rub this on your stomach at this time and I I think that really helped with keeping her occupied and and focused on on the recovery it was uh it was it was kind of a a a tricky little sneaky little uh way of of keeping her uh from doing things that she didn't need to be doing like cleaning the house doing dishes doing laundry um 
just getting anxious and bored and and then you know just feeling like she had to do something um so it yeah, was it yeah, was exactly. very effective very effective and and helping um keeping her occupied with with things that were helpful rather than hurtful in regards to the recovery process so um that was you know one take that i had from from that and uh um yeah it, it, she it was uh really cool to see her getting into all the all that stuff too and and it, i had a blast making you know making and the smell the smell the like smell. filled the house and it was wonderful um and it was it was also a great great little um like you were you said you everyone's so worried about having sex as soon as possible um and there were some things in there that were a, kind of a cool way for us to have some intimacy in a way like uh i i don't know exactly what you call it but that that mineral or not the that herbal pouch that's on the stick that warm compressed thing um Oh, the the, uh, the herbal compress. Yeah, the herbal compress. Um, it's mm-hmm. really cool. It looks basically like a a soft maraca uh, with uh, <laughs> with herbs in it, and um, you can you can soak it and heat it up. And um, whether it was me or Jenny doing the application, but you can pretty much just like massage yourself with this thing, and and just a cool little way for your, whether it's just the mother that is uh the one doing the herbal compress or if it's the uh the father um it's just uh it's just a really nice way to kind of nurture yourself and love yourself or have your partner love on you a little bit and um and and yeah just help you out in that way um yeah so i, I remember like you know, like i said to jenny you're you're gonna be still doing things it's just doing different things and mm-hmm. and not stressing your body out during you know conventional you know traditional exercise because it's happening inside you're just supporting that system and that revision in a very in a very specific way that makes it more efficient you know but also like i was also tell my clients when we're talking about preparing where you know like wearing a like a like maybe a tummy support garment you know third to fourth trimester you know also helps this, the, the muscles retract and it, you know, it gives it some relief from the, the back muscles as well. So there's all kinds of things that Jen did, you know, that were great that could contribute. But, you know, if you have your specific postnatal nutrition and then you have your guidelines about your actions and activities that would, um, you know, just like after a surgery, there's things the doctor says, do this, don't do that. Think about it in the same way. And it's, and it's only temporary. Yeah. And it, you know, and it pays off. It pays yeah. off in the in the in the long run, right? You're going to end up it having. It, it's not going to feel fast. It's not going to feel fast, but you're going to end up having a faster recovery. You're going to have less problems in the long run. Um, I can't tell you how many how many mothers I know that that urinate while exercising, and mm-hmm. and Jenny. It was kind of a, it was a, we used it as a, a, a diagnostic tool, a metering agent, if you will, um, also to know that like 
too soon, too soon, too soon. If like Jenny would sneeze and, and, and pee her pants a little bit, or if she'd like jump up and down and felt like she could have peed a little bit, like we're like, okay, we're not there yet. There's no point in pushing through this. Like we're going to continue resting and, and staying down. Uh, and, and, and we started adding in some pelvic floor exercises and, and some abdominal exercises and I don't want people to get too excited about this stuff. It, it was it was really chill stuff. It, it's not like we, you know, she was in the gym doing Tota Bar to get her core back together and doing crazy gymnastic stuff and doing double unders to work on her pelvic floor. That is nothing like that. Um, there's you, you wouldn't even be able to tell that Jenny was doing any sort of therapeutic exercise. That's how chill it was. If you walked in on a room in a room with her doing her exercises, you would think that she was just laying there. It, it, it was very, very chill stuff and, and, and uh, in regards to the type of exercises and, and therapeutic tools that she was using to um, uh, resituate exactly. herself. So you're not about, you've done all the hard work before. Your body is in you know, the condition before and you've worked on that. Now it's just about, you know, you know, like leaning on that hard work, recognizing it, maintaining it because it's there and then let your body do all these things internally. Again, mm. it, there's so much happening internally. So I'm trying to re-educate people on, 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 on what's happening, even in what's happening now with the American, with ACOG, American College of Gynecology, they are now recommending women go for a three-week check and a six-week check, but it's not something that's being enforced by by law or. But these guidelines are there, mm. and the fourth trimester is recognized and met, and a lot of literature and a lot of things, um, and and reports. But it's just not being enforced. Whether I mean, like really being saying, okay, women should come in three weeks, women should come in six weeks, because we don't have the manpower. But again, it is you're you're not going to be at a loss of what to do. It's just something different and shifting the mindset. And seeing where the dad is comfortable because it's so important. Sam, you played a major role, and I'm so so impressed, you know, with you and how you supported Jenny. And even you know, look at Jenny, professional athlete. You both are. How do you get a professional athlete to chill out for a month? Mm. Super hard. So I think I don't know how many months we worked together beforehand and getting that mindset changed. Because Jenny was like, I don't know, I don't know if I'll be able to. You know, said I don't know if I, w I don't know if I won't be able to clean or right? I said, do not vacuum. Remember, I was saying that. Oh yeah. Whatever you do, do not vacuum. It's a very bad motion for the core. Jenny got like Jenny got one. yelled at by um by one of our midwives. Um, I'm literally like she just had a baby, just had a baby in the home, and shortly after. She was in the bathroom cleaning the bathroom, and our midwife, <laughs> kind of kind of jokingly, but she was pretty serious, was like, "Go lay down, like stop cleaning." And, and the midwife even she cornered me in the kitchen and was like, "Hey, don't let her clean, don't let her do anything, like literally, do not let her do a single thing to the house in the house. Like she needs to be laying down." with that baby. And uh, on that note, I actually, I wanted to mention this earlier. Um, for anyone who doesn't have a support system, 
I can't recommend enough uh, midwifery and, and doulas. Um, our midwife came to our house for six to eight weeks after the birth of our child. Our doula came to visit us uh, almost equally that amount as well. And so if you're a, if you're a single mother or you don't have, um, you don't have mother, father, grandparents, cousins around you to, to assist you, I, I literally, I cannot say enough great things about uh, the care of a midwife. And, and, and it was just, it was unreal. I couldn't, I, I was blown away by it. You know, all my other yeah, friends that did hospital births, you know, you go in for maybe a checkup if you want to, but ain't no doctor coming to your house to see how you're doing. <laughs> it ain't happening. And um, I was just, I was really taken, taken back in a good way by the level of care um, and wisdom that these, these midwives had. And, and the, it was, it was very affordable for us. It was going to, it was cheaper for us to have a baby in our home with two midwives and a doula than it was going to be in the hospital. Um, Absolutely. 150% agree. It's, it's still like this kind of kept secret here, yeah. which is just bizarre. And it's, they are amazing. And the wisdom that they have, oh, the, you know, again, the, the women's wisdom, I do think it's the medicalization of birth and first, you know, it was male dominated and, you know, it just kind of got lost. Yeah. So now, I mean, that the midwifery and they, they care, the level of care, like you said, is just blows you away. It's, um, it's, it's midwifery is actually still kind of triggering here, um, in the U S um, I, whenever I recommend it, people kind of get bent out of shape by it. And, um, which I think is funny because I'm pretty sure that we lead the world in maternal death. I, I, I think yeah. we do. I really think we do. And, uh, the numbers we do. And, uh, but yet you're, you're, you're a crazy person if you don't want to, if you don't want to have your baby in a hospital. Now, granted, I, it, I always kind of have this um, kind of almost like negative tone around our our Western medicine. But, it, you know, if I like I've, I've said this before, if I if I break my leg and I need some pins in my leg, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. But but there's it's and you, you can look at the numbers on, on a lot of this stuff like, you know, there's there's data, there's stats to to back it up. And as to why you might not want to do something and, and why maybe you should look into something else. And uh, I, I said earlier in the show, I spent a great deal of work researching uh, and interviewing different doctors and, and different midwives and and because uh, I, I wanted to provide Jenny and our, our child star with the best care possible and uh, do everything I could to help both of them thrive. And, um, and that's what, you know, all my research led me to, um, to working with a midwife and, um, and it was incredible the level of care that we received and the information and cause you got questions after that baby comes out, 
you got lots of questions and I don't care how many books you've read and how much research Mm -hmm. you did and, and how many webinars you took and certifications you took, like you, you don't know exactly what to do. And it was really uh, convenient to have our midwife coming to our home and addressing those questions and checking on the mom and checking on the baby and uh, yeah, so that I just wanted to shout out to all the midwives out there. You guys are literally a godsend, and um, I, I truly believe that you any any midwife is is literally that is a it's a, it is a what how would I say that it's it's just it's special. It's a really special vocation. It is a like I, I, I really think people who are midwives are like are fully living in not that like if you're not a midwife, you're not living your truth and 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 doing exactly what you were meant to do. Not everyone was meant to be a midwife, but those who those who are, I just I applaud you for your work and and you're an you're an incredible person and we need more of you. Um, or we just need yeah, I join a big, you with that. bigger platform so that people know that that's even available. I had never really even heard of a, a midwife um, until we got it's pregnant. It's amazing, right? It's, and even during the pandemic, because in my pregnancy services collective where I have my boutique, uh, you know, the products, um, they, they, they get, uh, during the pandemic, they were getting all kinds of referrals from hospitals because they oh. couldn't have as many moms in. And so yep. I'm hoping it's not going to be go the other way. I don't know how they can reverse it. But, you know, saying now, okay, because first they're saying home birth isn't safe or even the birthing clinics, you know, they were getting referrals from hospitals all the time. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I could go on some rants in regards to why we chose the, the midwifery care. Um, but uh, we have a, a little bit of time left. And I would like to just maybe touch a little bit on the daddy plan. What, <laughs> what are some things that the, the fathers can do to assist in the recovery process um, to help the mother and to help the baby you know, dads kind of, dads kind of take a back seat a little bit. And I think they get a little forgotten. And, um, and granted, you know, it, it, it is a lot of, of mother and child. Uh, the, the whole, really, the, the birthing process is, is between them two. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. uh, just simply witnessing just witnessing. I wasn't even a participant. It was Jenny and Star, the ones that were participating. That was the hardest thing I had ever done in my life. Hands down, hardest thing I've ever done, uh, emotionally and physically. Um, and I've done some crazy shit. And <laughs> I've, I've tested myself mentally and physically across very broad domains. And nothing comes even close to uh to being a witness of of a of a of a birth um 
what are what are some things that dads can do to prepare themselves um, for that and and to be of um, service and support to um, the mother and the baby? Uh, that, that's a perfect question because dads are so important. And I just want to add that the last chapter of the mommy plan is the daddy plan. And so that's where we get that from. But first and foremost, you got to realize if you take care of mom, you're also taking care of baby. There has to be a mindset shift because it's so important. You're still so important and you're contributing uh, depending if mom's breastfeeding, you know, there's, you know, you might even take more of a backseat because that first month and then from then on, it's, it's really about baby and family as a unit. So look at yourself and see where can I participate? What am I comfortable with? Hopefully you can do make some recipes or even arrange like to, for meals to come in or you order them or you find services like you did family you i mean you i mean planned a lot if you your role was very important that way and you cooked that was your role um as well as you know helping jen in all across all aspects of her recovery so someone has to find out where they want to participate you're not going to make a home chef overnight you're not going to force things but dads are at a loss so there's also things you can do we're also bonding with baby other than holding for example giving baby a bath and being mm-hmm. comfortable with that and doing baby massage. Remember I sent you things for, you know, baby colic and colic massage yeah. and the baby wraps. So there's things that dads can be, but realize mentally you're going to have to take a back seat, but you have role models like you, Sam, that are learning all about this, what, what I'm introducing and what's becoming a grassroots movement in the U S and be really okay with that. Like you said, it was the hardest thing for you to do with you physically, maybe with ego and everything else to realize, okay, this time it's about Jenny and the baby and I'm still supporting my baby and loving my baby as well as, you know, my wife partner through what I'm doing. And I, and I do matter. So it's a real mindset shift because like over in Malaysia where they have this, they'll have someone come in and do all, all, all the things for the mom. Um, you know, and the massages and the wrapping. So there are things that they can do. So they can also um, realize, like we talked about, very high rates of postpartum mood disorders, you know, probably 3 million active cases uh, in the year, if you add up, you know, what we had talked about. And realize, okay, if mom's not feeling well, what's different? Because it's very scary. Because me with Postpartum Support International, I get contacted I would say mostly by the dads when they're at their wit's end. They're saying, I don't know what's wrong with my wife. This is happening. Some of them I feel really sorry for. She's blaming me for everything. She's blaming me for the state of her vagina. She's like blaming me for everything. I don't know what to do. And I said, dad, it's okay. And I, you know, coddle the dad a bit. But then it's really real when you go through a postpartum mood disorder. And it's scary. Mm -hmm. I was not a very happy camper that first year. And I was not very, I was really miserable to be around. Um, and then me, right? Clean mental health history was in five countries. I was so that's also something to look out for. And I'm about scenario planning, I'm not about you know scaring people, but it's very real things that we should look out for. And then, you know, so those are things that are real important for dad and to understand that and to realize 
different things we had talked about in the coaching program, like mom's compromised immune system, you know, when she's pregnant, up to six months, at least afterwards, compromised baby's immune system develops over six months. You know, so knowing those expectations on what she can do, who should be around baby, we're still dealing with, you know, COVID and the pandemic. To understand those things, you can take, you can still be the protector in that way, but in a different way than maybe you're used to. It's about educating, you know, yourself on that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely it does. And and to to simplify that for any for any uh, soon to be fathers or or even if even if you're already had your kid, um, the the mommy plan book that Valerie put together was and like I said I probably I think I probably read at least at minimum ten different books on on this topic maybe maybe up to upwards of fifteen even um, took webinars took online certifications and the the mommy plan would would be in my top three um books that i would recommend um whether whether it be for for (laughs) mothers or fathers um it it definitely filled uh filled a gap of lack of information that i had uh to to be able to uh, productively assist in the recovery uh, for uh, of of Jen and uh, and and know my role too as um, as a father and as a husband. So it is a lot harder than you would think. It takes a lot more out of you, you know, in the night and be able to cope with all of this. Does it does better when mom is supported and it's. I always say to dads that also it's easier on you when mom, right? Happy, you know, wife, happy mom, happy yeah. dad, happy life. You know, it really is true. So I try to tell them the benefits that they'll get, you know, mom, you know, supported and recovers faster. But um, you need to know, again, don't make that lasagna for the, for the meal. It's, it's very specific things that, but it's easy though. Once you have the whole guideline and, you know, and understand it, then it, it's easier. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. And I, gosh, I, I really don't even want to imagine uh, how difficult this whole process would have been without the information that we had and without the coaching that we had and the understanding that we had. Um, you know, it really takes that too. Like you can, you can know all these things, but it, unless you understand them and put them into practice, they're, they're worthless bits of, of information. Like, um, you have to actually do something with it. And, uh, I, well, I guess I, I do know, uh, to a degree what it would have been like if, if we were even just slightly underprepared, um, for, for a number of, of aspects, whether it be, um, the prenatal or the postnatal portion of it. Um, because I see, I have friends and, and family members and, and acquaintances all, all across the world that, that I know who, who struggle. And I, I see, I see, I see myself in them and, uh, and, and I'm able to kind of get a little glimpse as to what it could have been and how, how it could be if, if, um, you know, any, any number of things that we 
would have potentially left out in regards to how we prepared ourselves for the arrival of our child. So, uh, and, a, and a great deal of gratitude goes to you, Valerie. Um, the time that you spent with us, the, the, the words in your book um, were, were I, I would have to call it, I guess, maybe even life-saving because when I, I look at the situation that we're in comparatively to some of the other situations that I see other parents in and I see their struggle, I, and I, it just looks like the life is sucked out of them. And, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm eternally grateful and thankful that you somehow came into our lives and we got connected with you. Um, because I, I, it's, it's really allowed for quite an enjoyable experience of, of being, um, being a new, a new, uh, first time father and, and, uh, and also just like, we thought, <laughs> we talked to you about this. We, uh, we never planned on having kids. And, and honestly, when, uh, whenever we talk about Jenny getting pregnant, we were always like, oh my gosh, that, and she would say this too. She would agree with me. So I'm not like talking crap about my wife. She's like, I would, I'd be a hot mess. She would always say I'd be a hot mess if I was pregnant and if I had a kid and, um, <laughs> and it probably would have been like that if it if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for you and the information that we had from you and um and yeah just just want to say thank you thank you for all your work thank you for all your life experience that led to publishing uh your books and Thank you for your hour and 45 minutes of being on my podcast. And, and I, I, I think this is going to, this is going to change the trajectory of humanity um, bit by bit. And even if only uh, yeah. one, one mom and one dad come across this message, uh, then I, I think what we have done today was, a huge success and the the beginning of, of of starting to change our our culture and 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 inviting um these these ancient traditions into into our practice and um so I'm very thankful for your time in Malaysia and I'm I'm thankful that um they're the you know kind of the the industry leader and setting setting such a great example and standard so that we can um, work to integrate and embody um, their practices and 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 hopefully get to a point where we start looking uh, like them statistically and I, I it would be great if we could if we could take these numbers of nearly um, you know, one and a half million mothers being diagnosed with, with um, some sort of uh, postpartum-related anxiety, illness, or depression, and getting, getting, you know, and that's there's roughly what four million, four million children being born annually, and 
Mm-hmm. One one point five million of that is a is a pretty good chunk of change, uh, and it, it, percentage wise, we're not doing so hot in that category, and it, it'd look a lot better here if we could get those numbers down to the Malaysian statistics of that like that two or three percent mark. So, um, hopefully, this um, this podcast can can start making some waves and and they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and and people start catching on and and uh and if everybody who who hears this message starts to share not even the message you don't even have to share the podcast but just put some of these things into practice and then and just share and just share your story share your testimony with people and and let people know what it is that you did that allowed you to have such a great recovery and such an enjoyable experience uh being being parents so uh cheers to that man um i love you valerie thank you so much for for taking the time i will give you um a uh, a little time to to close if you'd like if there's anything that you would like to add or share or direct people towards now is your chance to do that Okay. Uh, I love you guys too. And it was my pleasure and you're very welcome. And this is exactly why I got into this because I, I want to decrease these statistics. I want people to be aware of what's in their control and what they can do. And it just, it's a matter of education. And I'm so happy. Like, you know, one dad and one mom being you and Jen, that is exactly why I got into this and how you can enjoy it. And Jenny can, recover faster and you can have quality time with baby star. And that's exactly why I got into this. So I'm, you know, I'm thrilled that we did connect and um, where people can go is they can go to uh, eco postnatal care, um, dot com, which is my website. And I have coaching and products and, and all of that there. And, and some education on that, if they Google my name, Valerie Lynn and the mommy plan, there's been different articles uh, written about me and I train birth professionals and doulas and nurses um, on the, on the traditional postnatal type of practitioner. And it's, um, it's been, it's been a, you know, a journey and I still feel like it's just in the infant stage because it's, it's a grassroots movement here. Mm. But if there's more people like Jenny and yourself that recognize this and take the time to put it into practice and just breathe and take a breath, after they have a baby and they're incorporating this new person into their life, into their world that has a lot more demands than, you know, than adults. And you would think that you need this time. And it's not all about, um, glitzing glamour and bugaboos and, you know, invest in their afterbirth recovery, um, and make that the true, um, you know, baby time, um, afterwards. They're, it will pay off in dividends mm. because the quality with baby and family is super important. And again, just, just shifting the mindset that dad's going to take a little bit of a backseat, but he can still play a tremendous role. And mom really, really needs the help much more than they would think. Um, so I would love to reach more dads or have more dads you know, reach out to me. You can email me at the, the book title, Valerie at the mommy plan. Valerie at Eagle Post Middle Care. I really feel dads play a very important role for support during this. 
And so I would be, you know, welcome to, um, you know, have any contact and uh, communication with dads. And of course, continuing with you guys to get the word out. I think you're in a great position to do that and to give dads hope. Yeah. Light at the end of that, you know, that six week dark tunnel that they're like, <laughs> you know, when, when baby is, you know, mom is recovering. You guys have come to the other end. Yeah. That's awesome. So I want to thank you. Thank you for the opportunity for me to speak. And, you know, happy uh, first Mother's Day to Jenny. This is yeah. happening just before Mother's Day. And I think it's, uh, it's good timing. And it's all about moms this month, yeah. May 2021. Yeah. You guys are my superheroes. So shout out to all the mommies out there. Thank you, Valerie, so much. I love you dearly. And uh, thank you for being on the Sam Dancer podcast. Likewise. Bye-bye.